I have a, a packet of rice cakes that are coated with dark chocolate uh, on the top. There we go. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Nearly the weekend. Fuck it. Yeah. I'm having two rice cakes. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Jesus. Motherfuckers. <laughs> Tree talk. Mental health. Tree talk. Mental health. Tree talk. Mental health. The mind is a terrible thing to waste. This is Straight Talking Mental Health, where we tackle everyday mental health issues. My name is Peter Dunn, and his name is... Alan Clark. And the rule is you have to talk straight. No bullshit. Uh, that's, that's actually what I wanted to call the podcast originally. Do you remember that? No bullshit mental health. <laughs> was it? Mm. We kicked around a few of them, I think, didn't we? Yeah. Uh, I think that was, that we... was my one, and you were like, no... Uh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I think we came to this one, though, fairly quickly. I think we came to straight talk on mental health fairly quickly. Mm. Anyway, this week we are talking to Mike Schlossberg. He is a science fiction author who writes from a mental health perspective. So I really, really look forward to that. He's um, uh, a state representative in Pennsylvania as well. So we'll talk a little bit of politics and mental health and all that as well. How are you, Mr. Clark? Not too bad, man. Not too bad. Good, good um, stuff. Not a whole lot going on. <laughs> yeah, not a whole lot going on, lockdown. as it is for most people, unfortunately, at the minute. What I was thinking during the week was, this is the lockdown I predicted in October. Remember, remember I said that I predicted it was going to be worse for people under mental health, coming into winter, stuff like that. And I was wrong. And I was very wrong because no one adhered to, to lockdown. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it didn't make a difference. But this one. This is hitting people bad. Mm. I'm seeing it. In, I'm seeing it in clients the whole, the last few weeks. Now this is this one is getting bad. Yeah, um, uh, why is, is really that? Really getting bad for people. Uh, there's no hope. You know, mm. I think first lockdown there was a bit of novelty. First few weeks, people were delighted to be off work. Sunny weather. Um, I was like, oh, this is fucking great. Go out in the garden. You know, get a bit of sun. Yep. Uh, get off work. work yeah. Paid. You know, work at home. Fucking great. Um, Do whatever to, has to be done around the house. Yeah. 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 But, but then, then, you know, we were told, oh, we flattened the curve, you know, and that turned into what, eight or, what was it, eight or nine weeks? How long were we? I can't even remember mm. how long we were locked down first time. I think then, you know, second lockdown, as I said, that's the one I predicted was going to be bad. Um, but no one was really sticking to the restrictions. People were kind of coming up to Christmas and, you know, mm-hmm. fucking party mode, I think, kicked in, which obviously brought us back to this point. Uh, we called it when I when I said the last lockdown was going to be the bad one. You said that we'd be locked down by March. I said mm-hmm. I thought February. <laughs> yeah. It'd be fucking no. We wouldn't even get out of twenty twenty before yeah, we were locked yeah. down again. But this time, you know, all March fifth. You know, and now we know March fifth. You know, they're talking about just extending it, maybe going to level four. Um, and the only difference for that is I think construction goes back and, and kids and school and that yeah, that's yeah. it and no I think difference. you might be able to meet somebody outside or one other household outside or something in the like garden that. or something yeah, like yeah, yeah 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 but yeah but this is really getting to people like um, mm. you know there is there is nothing gyms are closed all of that stuff the weather's shit you can't go out yeah yeah uh, so this, as I said, this is exactly what I predicted back in back in October if people had adhered to it but hmm I'm really seeing it now. I'm really seeing it in clients that this is really getting to them. Really getting to them. Like a lot of a lot of very upset people mm. during the week. Yeah, yeah it, it, it's hard to see where it'll end. That, that's, the, that's the problem. Or will it end? Or are we just going to live parallel well, the, with this thing? No, but sure they're talking now of being fucking locked down till April or May. Mm-hmm. I, I've I've written off the first half of this year or so and I've said yeah. it to anybody who listened like the first half 
no I might see in June yeah I, I had as well now to, to be honest but that was in terms of going away or anything happening or stuff like that I, I thought mm. you know I thought we get down to I thought we get down to level 3 so for, for people listening not in Ireland level 3 is well, you're allowed eat in restaurants yeah um, yeah I think can you go to you can get your hair cut for you, 90 minutes no you, oh was that is that level 3 is it I yeah. thought that was yeah, the, yeah. yeah. you have, you have, have pre-book, food with it pre-book yeah. To, yeah the pub have to have a substantial meal mm. um, yeah you can get a haircut you, you can get a haircut shop and, yeah shops your, are open all the yeah, shops are open you stuff, all that, yeah. yeah but still masks everywhere and all of that all mm-hmm. everything like that yeah yeah um, you know I thought we'd kind of get to that March April you know the way the way we were locked down yeah yeah um, but you know this this just fucking feels endless. Yeah. It just feels endless now at the minute. Something interesting I noticed during the week. Um, when was the last time you went shopping? It was in Tesco's today. When, when you remember that, do you remember the masks they were wearing? No. I don't even remember. Like, if I think back to what I did today, which is very little, mm. um, the people I encountered were obviously wearing masks, but I don't remember. If I think back, I can't see the masks. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting. I know it's become so normal. Or, yeah, I think it has you know, been. you don't notice it anymore. You know what I mean? You know, it's just, yeah, it's just something I realised. So there you go. Mm. So, yeah, all quiet this end as well. Actually, we booked two uh, two breaks away this year. Optimistic. Yeah, yeah. So, um, um, when was that supposed to be? Um, hopefully, in about four months' time, I'm going to go to Iceland. I think they're all right. I don't think they're too bad on, on the COVID front. No. Uh, and if that goes well, I'm going to go to Tesco. And then I'm going to go to Dunn's. And then I'm going to... Fucking dad joke. <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, no, we, we, booked, uh, we booked a week away in Wexford. And we booked a week away in Trebolgan in Cork. Mm. So we'll see how that goes. If it's a case that um, it doesn't work out, then we'll just kind of cancel it or move it out a couple of months or whatever yeah. but you know just something to kind of have a bit of glimmer of hope yeah you know? well, I mean this this the conversation I've, I've had so many times this week with clients that you know they're mm. affected as like you know the lack of hope but there's nothing to look forward to mm-hmm. you know because normally I, I mean I even seen it there during the week that unbeknownst to myself you know in January I always end up I always go over to Canterbury over to my daughter because oh, yeah, Facebook memories during the week was oh, from yeah. last year. No, actually, this time last year I was in London, but previous years then I was in I was in Canterbury. Mm-hmm. Um, and like that, because, you know, the weather's shit, people are stuck inside, oh, fuck that, I'm booking a holiday. Oh, yeah. I fucking need something to look forward to. You know, yeah. Jesus, I can't be done with this fucking weather. Exactly. And it's the time it's of year, can't do it. you know, when you book holidays. Yeah, yeah. You know, the cold and the miserable, and you go, right, I'm going to book this to help with a lot of it. And yeah. You know, going to spend six months dreaming about sun. Yeah, but something to look forward to. Hope. Mm-hmm. Something to work toward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe we need to lower expectations a little bit. Jesus Christ, man. How much fucking lower can they get? You can't even go on. You can't even fucking stay anywhere in the country. Like You can't even leave 5K. <laughs> we should be all right by then, you'd imagine, come the summer. You Look, if, if Leo has booked Sligo, then, you know... What's the Leo's fucking can? hair isn't looking too bad, is it? Yeah, well, look, yeah, yeah. yeah. I didn't mm. want to say anything to be controversial, yeah. but, uh, you know... No, I'll fucking I say it. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck um, that, like... Actually, I'm going to get into it now because me, me royal is fucking me on Martin. Okay. Taoiseach of Ireland, Prime Minister, for want of a better term, of Ireland. We we have to be careful because it's gas. We we've so many listeners from all over the world, apart yeah. from Ireland. We kind of have to explain <laughs> ourselves a little bit, and this is something we weren't expecting. Yeah, yeah, you know? exactly. Like, yeah, yeah. It's gas. <laughs> I, I said to you so many times, it's like that fucking that boggles me. Like, yeah, people yeah, listen. It's you amazing. Know, 
just two fucking Irish lads shy talking about mental mm. health and shy talking in general. Yeah, yeah. So me. Sorry, I interrupted you. Go on. Yeah, Taoiseach or Prime Minister of Ireland. Uh, we're in full lockdown. Um, they've increased the fines for anyone travelling abroad from 500 to 2,000 because 500 people were just paying it <laughs> that were going away on holidays. So it's been increased to 2,000. Uh, generally what happens on St. Patrick's Day, which will be March 17th, uh, Taoiseach goes over to the White House, meets the US President, presents a bowl of fucking shamrock and a couple of other Irish That's growing in America. No, yeah, you know. I, oh, Jesus. <laughs> uh, a couple of other Irish American dignitaries and stuff like that. And Michael Martin came out today and said, "Well, if I'm invited, I'll go." Yeah. And I was like, "You <laughs> fucking dickhead!" Like, you know, you lead by example. Yeah, I I agree with you. You do. You lead like, by example. Yeah, like that. Like that's the fucking sort of lad that sends the troops over the fucking top, sends them out to the front line, and he fucking sits back. Like, yeah, like it's it's not going to do the country a whole lot of good. You know, you can you can understand like it. They, they send politicians all over the world on Paddy's Day, and it's basically uh, to drum up business. You know, uh, to do do deals with foreign countries, yeah, apparently. Yeah. And uh, you know, look, there's nobody doing deals now. <laughs> you know, yeah, what's your, you could do a deal over Zoom, Mick. You know, yeah, exactly. <laughs> do, do, do you think fucking do you think uh, uh, the president of the United States with Irish her- heritage isn't going to come and visit Ireland? He'll be over. <laughs> he will, but but who'll be wearing the chains by the time he gets over? Well, that's it's it, not yeah. me, Hall. Yeah, yeah well, <laughs> it'll yeah. be Leo yeah. or Sleepy Ryan. Yeah, one or the so other. that that fucking really pissed me off. Yeah, when, when I seen that, like I was like, "Here's your fucking chance to lead by example." You're no, getting, yeah, you know, it's not, it's not, you know. Here's where we are. We've locked although, everything down. Although, although, let let me be devil's advocate here for uh, a second. Yeah. If somebody said to you, Alan. Come on, I can get you on a private jet. Me and you, we're going to Vegas. All expenses paid right now. What would you say? Well, I wouldn't be jumping at a man, to be honest. <laughs> like, you see, America's riddled, like. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, I wouldn't. Uh, no. Like, my instinct there wasn't to go, oh, fuck yeah, man, I'd be fucking out here. No. Mm-hmm. No, I wouldn't be. You wouldn't? No. Fair enough, fair enough. Yeah, maybe some other part, maybe maybe another country, but yeah, I don't know about America. It's just, it's just a little bit too riddled for my liking. <laughs> <laughs> you are too riddled, lads. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but no, no, like like I said, you lead by example. Mm. No, I agree with you. Of course you do. You lead by yeah, example. You don't fuck Absolutely. the rest of the country it, under the bus and then go, well, I'm fucking off, lads. You'd be grand. <laughs> yeah, it comes from the top, definitely. No, yeah, I, I'd yeah. agree with you there, all right. Um, any more riles? Um... Not, not a royal, but an observation after after last week's episode on uh, toxic masculinity. Mm-hmm. Uh, I watched a documentary there during the week called, uh, it's on Netflix, Q-Ball. Have you seen it? No. About a basketball team in uh, San Quentin prison. And in the league they play and then they get to play against some of the coaches and stuff from uh, uh, the Golden State Warriors. Uh, basketball in hmm. uh, in California uh, and they go by the San Quentin Warriors but it just the whole thing just epitomises everything we were talking about last week so the guy that's the coach of the prison team you know so they interview some of the big players on this and you know how you got in here and you know blah 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 mm-hmm. when will you get out well I've three strikes so I'm in here fucking 25 to life this kind of thing and um, the interview with the the coach and he was telling his story that he was at a baseball game and he was sitting in his car uh, 
few other people in the car and obviously drunken fucking idiot walks past the car bangs the glass uh, bangs bangs the driver's side window mm. say. and he said then that uh, you know the, the, the coach says uh, you know but then I showed fear in front of my peers so he got out started a fight with your man mm. two you know someone dragged your man off someone dragged the coach off uh, then coach the coach said pulls out a knife stabs your man in the chest cuts cuts off the bottom of his heart and he killed him fuck so he's in prison for toxic masculinity mm-hmm. was that the ego well that's you know he said it himself I showed fear in front of my peers mm. he, couldn't see, he couldn't be seen to be weak so he had to go had to go and do something about it over the top yeah um, so just as I was watching that I was like wow that's there it is yeah, there's there's your extreme version of it, and how many other people are in prison for, for similar for similar things like, mm. because you can't be seen to be weak, you have to be, you have to be this, you have to be that. <sighs> yeah, like there's you're right. There's so many examples of it out there, isn't there? Mm. You know, um, the lad outside the nightclub, the lad outside the pub, or whatever. Yeah, the, yeah. You know the the one punch wonder. You know, where somebody yeah, yeah. smacked his head in the oh, way remember down. Call. Remember, remember life. Yeah, yeah, call. Yeah, call. Call. Call Patterson. On. Yeah, that's the coward's it. punch, punching the back of the head. Your man was yeah. fucking drunk. It's in our episode called the impact, uh, Music and yeah. Mental Health. Yeah, the impact um, that had on Call even years later. Yeah, even now. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but uh, yeah, there, there's so much, and you know, people have lost their lives as a result of trying to be the big guy, mm, rather mm. than being the person that goes piss off you're drunk yeah yeah you know and yeah, I don't know many clown. times I've, I've done that you know outside yeah, you know you're yeah, waiting yeah. in the taxi rank and uh, like I remember one night waiting in the taxi rank about half one in the morning and I was at the top of the rank and there was a queue of about 15 people and um, I was ready to get into the taxi some drunk lad stumbled straight to the front of it rough mm. looking and I uh, hopped into the taxi when I pulled up and I just said grand let him on it Mm. And some fell about three or four people down and I said, Hey, you fucker, that's your time to get into that. And mm. I said, nah, let him have it, let him have it. Oh, fuck you, fuck you keeping us fucking here. Yeah. You know, wanted me <laughs> to fucking, you know, push your man out of the way. Yeah. What's the point? Mm. You know what I mean? Like, seriously, what's the point? But uh, you're right, yeah, there's so many examples of that knocking around. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it was an interesting time, it was an interesting documentary. Um, mm. But uh, yeah, I was just like, wow. Well, that's that's pertinent to what we've just spoke about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. There me Riles, me Hall Martin saying he'll fuck off for Paddy's Day. Mm-hmm. He's invited, and uh, that toxic masculinity in uh, in in the documentary and lockdown, lockdown and the impact that it's it's having on people. And you know, this is fucking this is crushing people's mental health at the minute. Mm. Like I've had I had the same conversation with so many clients during the week. Like, <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm Same coming thing. in saying, and, and yeah, saying to saying to so many clients, like, look, I'm not, I'm not diminishing your experiences, but you're this is the fourth conversation I've had in the last two days or whatever it may be. Yeah, yeah. And there's some, and there's some relief in that. There is people. to know you're not alone. To know, yeah. well, oh Jesus, at least I'm not mm-hmm. fucking, at least I'm not going through this on my own. Yeah, um, yeah. There, you're there's right. something in that of going, well, at least it's not just me. It's not just me that's that's struggling. Yeah, I know what you mean, yeah. Right, cheer us up, you miserable fucker, yeah. <laughs> well, me smile, me smile, me smile's not entirely fucking, not entirely fucking chirpy either, but uh, it is to one extent. I watched um, uh, Billy Connolly ITV Aww. special there recently. Uh, it's been a pleasure or something like that. Was that his last one? 
it's not even no, it's not even a stand up. It was just uh, oh, just an interview a with him, interview oh, okay. with other comedians, Russell Brand, Ashling B, Kalair Woman. Um, True. Uh, and you know just I the impact that, that. Yeah. Billy Connolly has had on comedians and stuff like that oh he is amazing there, there uh, must be about 50 documentaries about him but they're all equally amazing yeah you know yeah. he is what a character but yeah and I think I think Russell Brand said it, that you know one of his earliest memories of Billy Connolly was that ITV special where an audience or an audience with, Billy yeah, yeah, and yeah. Robbie Coltrane and all these fucking stars from the late 80s early 90s yeah. and bad hair and big shoulder pads and stuff like that yeah uh, and I think that was probably my first experience of Billy Connolly that that that's how I can remember mm. um but just not not even the greatest Scottish comedian but one of the greatest comedians of changed of all time changed comedy yeah you know while yeah. people are coming out telling jokes he was telling stories yeah and he is what a storyteller incredible yeah, yeah. um but somebody but, who can take something so simple and making it like have you ever tried telling the Billy Connolly joke? Ah, sure, forget about no, it. No, there's no point. <laughs> forget it's just, about it. Yeah, you know, yeah, people yeah. are still waiting on the punchline. You're going, oh, that was it. All yeah. right, yeah, okay. Yeah. That Billy Connolly lad must be shite. You know? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I watched that and I was and I was thinking like, wow, fucking Billy Connolly. Like, you know, mm. just what it what an, and, and forgetting how much of an influence he would have had on myself of watching all the specials over the years and yeah. just how large a part. Now, unfortunately, now he has Parkinson's now and he, he did I, he did his, la, his last special a couple of years ago. Mm. But I, I actually think it might have been Ashling B and maybe one or two. No, Lenny Henry got choked up as well of talking about we're never going to see him performing again. Yeah. You know, and... Did like, you ever wow. see him perform? I've never seen him live, no, unfortunately. Wow. I've seen uh, him twice. Did you? Um, I've seen his last gig in Dublin. I think it was the second last. He was playing two at the that weekend. And he was fairly... Yeah, he was fairly shook. Yeah, you know, yeah, he, yeah. he wasn't doing a whole lot of moving around. Mm. He'd, uh, no, he'd no, a, no. a table he was holding onto. That's and right, yeah. He'd uh, a glass of water. and That would have been the one i seen filmed. Yeah, that would have been... I, I'd say story. that yeah, it's yeah. the big horse kind of character right. he That's drew the in the back yeah yeah, yeah, yeah and yeah. um he was he you know what a lesson in storytelling yeah you know while he wasn't able to move his hands a whole lot or um you know do the funny walks that he used to do mm. or the expressions or whatever mm. you know he could still paint a picture in your head and i can remember yeah. his jokes by the, the visualization yeah you know i can see him pulled over inside the road in the car while a lot of people who are protesting turned around and wanted his autograph like ah oh, fuck it's Billy Connolly <laughs> you know what I mean like and mm. just excellent but at the same time I couldn't help looking at it going as soon as he walks off here I'll never see him again wow yeah and it was a sadness yeah. to it and he was walking yeah. off to yeah. um, um, a song called something like a whole lot of shaking going on or something like that yeah <laughs> <laughs> but and funny enough when he found out he had Parkinson's he was in Dublin Oh really? And at a gig I seen in <laughs> um, the 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 Gaiety, and one of the funniest moments of my life, I I, I laughed so much, and it, it was cool. Like it was a real intimate audience because you know the mm. Gaiety, yeah, and we we were yeah, we were yeah. on the floor of it, and it was yeah. you know you're looking up, going Billy Connolly's over Billy there, Connolly, like yeah. there, but yeah. he was in full flight that night, and I swear to God, Alan, he told a joke about. Not even really joke a story about how they used to backfire a van when they were touring, mm. and uh, he was describing the woman. They said, "Right, you know, they turn off the key." I'm not going to attempt to tell the joke now, but mm. um, they backfire it, and, and the way he described her response, 
and how she screamed bastard at them. Mm. I, 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 I remember being doubled over and feeling the tears drip off my face. Mm. Mm. And he, he told a story as well about um, Frank Carson, mm. you know, the comedian. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, they did a joke or he he told a joke about um, again I'm not going to get into the joke but about a guy who was who was cut in half by a pane of glass and he went on to Stars in the Rise and he was telling his story about you know how his uh, his uncle donated you know half his organs or whatever and he was like it helped him live and he said well you know tonight Matthew I'm going to be Simon and half uncle <laughs> you know <laughs> but you know and it, it, the way he described it was, was yeah, brilliant yeah. and uh, you know this guy coming up here with no legs and I kid you not I was walking out the gatey and there was a guy in a wheelchair with no legs and I just looked at <laughs> him <and went, gasps> <laughs> <laughs> like if you're going to tell a joke on stage yeah. Yeah. about a guy with no legs mm. and all of a sudden there's a guy with no legs <laughs> <laughs> at the end of the theatre like you know but mm. I swear to god that was one of the, I, I, it was one of the greatest shows I've ever seen and mm. uh, but you know what the funny part was like during it even he was he was talking he'd tell a story and he'd go uh, where was he where was he Mm, and mm. people say, oh Billy it was whatever oh yeah 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 mm. you know what I mean he, he, he'd often go away from a subject and come yeah. back but there's a he just couldn't the, get right back to it yeah there was a bit in the documentary and uh, the wife was saying like you know sometimes before shows he'd be fucking he'd get so anxious because wow. he was worried that well what if I can't get back to it yeah because that's that you know he's famous for that he'll go off and he'll meander on and, a tangent well, and yeah Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the genius of it. But yeah. he never rehearsed. He never wrote. Like he just—he did. He had notes. Oh, was it? Yeah. yeah, he he notes and bullet points and stuff. And that's one thing I was just going to say to you. But these were in the last gigs, were it? Um, no, I think in general he'd carry around notes and so he did talk about it in one of the documentaries about how oh, he'd, right, right. you know, he'd think of something or he'd bullet point it and he'd go through it a few times or whatever. So mm. you know, but he was able to present himself as that guy who just showed up. Yeah, yeah, spoke. but yeah, there was the sadness in it as well. Of you know, you never, never get to see him live. You know, you never get to see another Billy Connolly special. Mm. Um, and you could see, you know, I think it was Ashley B, Lenny Henry, and you know, there were you could see them getting emotional about it, like yeah. at the prospect of that, because you know, I think anyone, anyone over this side of the water, Billy Connolly is in their DNA. You know, mm. if you're into comedy, it's it's in your DNA. True. Yeah. yeah oh, that so yeah, he changed comedy. Absolutely yeah. change it as we were saying. Like that's me, man. What's your smiles and riles? Yeah. Um, let me see. Uh, what did I give you last? Did I give you a smile first last week or rile or um, ah? I'll give you a rile this week first. I don't think people are listening. Going, oh, 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 no, Peter. No, no, you started with the rile last week. Go back. Going to call you on this. Hold on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Bit of um, continuity here. <laughs> give me whatever feels right for you. Um, I'm going to give you a rile. All right, go for it. I think I got done for speeding. Oh no! Shit. I think I got done for speeding. I know you had to wait fucking Bollocks. two, three weeks ago. Oh, I know. Come in. Just is, it, is that the post? Is that happened. the post? Yeah. Oh, that oh, anticipation. Fuck. But you, the worst thing about it was it's um it's it, a downgraded regional road, so it's like L one four seven eight three two whatever yeah, yeah, the hell yeah. it is like. But um, it it used to take like speeds of eighty kilometers an hour. And I was leaving work there last Saturday and was tipping along, chatting on the Bluetooth on the phone and um, uh, I think it was, <laughs> I think it was half unfurling a wrap for my lunch <laughs> at the same time, but however. <laughs> and uh, I, uh, yeah, I just, I seen this van. I thought it was like a, just a white van and uh, right on side the road. And I went, oh, 
balls fucking yeah. hit the brakes I was doing mm. 80 hit the brakes down to 60 and went fuck I think he got Rap away went with flying that. into the windscreen <laughs> <laughs> oh no no I, I, I don't even share food with my windscreen <laughs> but I, I kind of I was thinking was caught speeding the rap <laughs> no <laughs> that rap was worth 80 euro <laughs> but I, I kind of swung the head around when I seen the, the, the speed sign to see, you know, what, what what's the speed limit here? Because it won't mm, tell you going mm. the way I'm going. It'll tell you the other way. Mm. 50. So <sighs> it caught me doing 60 in a 50 zone. So, you know, what annoys me is I start thinking about what could I spend that 80 or What could I have blown 80 or on? <laughs> you know, rather than fuck all these spend days, it on a fine. But <laughs> they, man, they what would g- I have contributed to fucking Jeff Bezos <laughs> 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 this week? <laughs> to give myself something to look forward to. <laughs> But uh, yeah, no, I've um, I've made a decision that if it's a case that I don't get the speed and fine, then them eighty euros are going towards my Air Jordans. Now make a rain, simple baby. as that. <laughs> <laughs> and I they'll remind me. Were... They'll remind me to never speed again. Nah, but, but sure, I thought I thought you got off the Air Jordans. You put the, you tried them on and you look like sideshow Bob. I thought no, I they thought they were the high tops. I'm going to get low tops. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. no, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, I have to get low tops. No high tops. Yeah. I just look stupid. Did I see you get a pair of Converse? You I did. Yeah, I I, those, I, yeah. I I treated myself actually. Yeah, uh, there's a smile for you. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I I um I I did what you told me, and I I, I treated treat myself. Treat myself. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I um. Yeah, I actually, funny enough, I, I seen it on Facebook on, on the ads. Now, I'm not going to promote the place. It'll sound, mm. like, a, it'll sound like a shagging ad here. So mm. I seen there was a fairly reputable um, sports company. So I said, um, oh, that's pretty good. You know, 15 euro for a pair of Converse. Uh, right. I'll, I'll have a bit of that. Let's click into mm. it and see what the mm. crack is. Download the app. Download the app. Grant. Um, 15 euro. Postage and packaging, 250. Right. Give it a bash. See what the crack is. They arrived. Whoa. 1750 taken out of my bank account. That's your big feet. Nice one. Det- yeah, the, ra- the big old random size. Yeah, that the size they never get rid of. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, Because I get caught the other way. <laughs> I see that. Oh, 1750. Oh, fucking lovely. You click into it. Size 17. Yeah, oh, for not fuck's your sake. Size. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but there you go. It's like, wow. Yeah, it it nice felt one. like I won a prize or something. Like, for 1750. Yeah. Fuck. But then uh, it kind of riled me then because I, I never realized how much kids walk on your feet. <laughs> I never realized oh, before yeah. in my life. I had, this, you know. had this last week. Yeah, two hands, you know, hold yeah. on to, you know, Stand when on your child feet. comes over. They give you their two hands. You go, oh, that's lovely. And all of a sudden, yeah, one foot and either foot and you're walking yeah, around yeah. with them and you're flinging them down or up or whatever. Yeah. But uh, I try that I, with an all I, white pair of superstars. That's what happened to me with my, my cons. Uh, I, I no. stuck them on and uh, kind of a cream colour and was walking around going, wow, these are really comfy. Lord, these are so spongy. It's unreal. <laughs> and Cormac comes up to me and gives I'll me his two hands. I'm like, oh yeah, no problem. <laughs> foot straight on him like, ah, get off my foot. Ah, I had I had, a bit, I had a bit James last week and he's like, oh, and he goes to stand. I say, like, no, no, don't stand me runners. Don't stand me runners. He says, why? He says, you dirty them. They're all white. Would you come wipe them? I said, don't care. Get off me runners. <laughs> <laughs> that's James, parenting right there <laughs> James if you were in South Central you'd be shot at for that yeah look at fucking uh, that's a do the right thing your man steps on his Jordans or his yeah. Nikes yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah so you, you got some I haven't, I haven't got myself anything uh, did I get myself anything no I've been buying hmm. fucking Valentine's presents man that's 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 where I've been 
It's all been stuff. Yes, I see, it's awkward. It's At least you're buying val- Valentine's presents. So it's then. the first Valentine's. And oh, that's the fucking, yeah. you know, it's awkward. Yeah. You do you know, do the whole, do? Uh, we're, uh, no, we don't want to celebrate Valentine's. Don't get me anything. And, uh, no, Valentine's no. only shite. Are no, you into it? He, well, she fucking, she kind of set the tone on it. Because uh, I said, look, it's an awkward conversation, but one that would be, be the better for the two of us. What are we doing for Valentine's? Uh, mm. Will we set a limit? What are we should, oh, well, I have all your presents already. All your presents? So more presents. Than one. Oh, presents. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> fuck. Because I thought I thought it was fucking great. So I was like, oh, well, that's grand. She gets the first birthday. My birthday's in April. And then I forgot all about Valentine's. Nah. Obviously been single for a while. Um, mm-hmm. So she's like, I have your presents. I was like, oh, shit. So... Um, yeah, so that's what that's what but I've been for. Here, Anything that's been coming has been stuff for her. <laughs> here's a royal for you now, money at the thinking of. Yeah. I went to buy wrapping paper. Yes. You won't get any. No, they're not essential. Is that why there's none, is it? That's why there was a big taped off area with uh wrapping paper, uh, cards, you know, birthday cards, but Valentine's Day cards. They're all non essential. But I bought, because I bought a birthday card for Nikki. Now you can buy, well, in the two Tesco's I was in, you could buy birthday cards, you could buy gift bags, mm-hmm. you could buy party stuff. No, the place, no wrapping paper though. place I was in, all the party gear and everything was all taped off with a big X over them and a sign in the middle said, this all contains uh, uh, non-essential items, but we've left it open due to social distancing. And I thought, ah, here, this is balls. But I just grabbed it anyways. And yeah. went so up to the counter some, and I said, Fuck, look, I'll chance it. Yeah, no problem. There you go. So maybe it's just a little uh, uh, box ticking exercise or something, but there you go. Yeah, well, there's none, there's none in the two Tesco's I was in. There was no wrapping paper. There you go. Yeah. So, yeah. Mm. So I thought, well, this is this will go about. Oh, yeah, this will go about afterwards, so, so I can say it. So I thought it was the great lad. Mm-hmm. Obviously, uh, seeing uh, the perfume she had. So I was like, she had only a small bit of perfume left. Happy fucking days. I thought, good man, Alo, good thinking there. Bought the bottle of perfume, talking to her during the week. I was, I was like, well, what you up to today? I was like, oh, yeah, I'm such and such again. And my perfume came. I was like, for oh, fuck's no. sake. The one thing that I was delighted with myself, I go, that's good thinking there now. That's good thinking. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I was um, like, fuck it anyway. <laughs> I was sorted last year with, uh, with Laura's birthday present because um, about a month beforehand, um, the young lad got into her handbag and smashed a bottle of Lady Millions in the kitchen. <laughs> just got it and it slipped out of his hand, but the thing just went everywhere. The smell of the place. Yeah. Actually, <laughs> he was going into crash smelling like a woman <laughs> for about a week afterwards. <laughs> and he was at the time one. Did you send him so in on a little sabotage mission? Was there? I don't know what to get your man yeah, in there and fucking break that perfume. Yeah. Don't worry about it, babe. I'll get that for you. Yeah. I'll get you one for your birthday. <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> slip, slip and calm or a pack, a pack of the sweets there, good man. Yeah. <laughs> Good job, <laughs> little assassin. <laughs> now it's coming up to Valentine's Day. What can we destroy? Belonging to Mammy. Do you do Valentine's? Do you do oh Mammy? yeah, we do Valentine's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do actually. Um, Saturday night now with nice dinner, few drinks, happy out. You know what I mean. But we do mm. Valentine's Day on the Sunday. But uh, yeah, that's it. I'll get the kids to give her her present. You know, yeah. be nice, nah. nice little touch. You know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm. So uh, no, we to do we to do a Friday. So if anyone hears me talking, like we have established a. Uh, a bubble, so you know, not not doing anything. Uh, shouldn't be doing or visiting when I shouldn't be visiting. Um, I may have to do a Friday. 
because uh, mm-hmm. part of the reason is she can't hold her fucking piss she wouldn't be able to wait until <laughs> Sunday to give me the present <laughs> <laughs> she's like it's killing like can I just give you a clue I was like I don't want to know Mm. <laughs> it's killing her like. but like if I just I said I don't want to know I'll find yeah. out I'll find out yeah I, I, I like the element of a surprise I like yeah it. yeah me too mm. me too but yeah. she's and she's like you she's seen fuck all but what she has seen she ruins I didn't uh, maybe like that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was like oh start watching Preacher and she gives like I was like for fuck's sake like, and then there was something else she's like oh yeah I didn't like that now when that happened in season 2 I'm like you, you've seen nothing and the things you have seen, you've ruined it on me. Mm. <laughs> Just shut up. Yeah. <laughs> I said it yeah. to her, I said, you're as bad as P. P's the very same. He hasn't seen anything. And then the things he does see, he ruins it. <laughs> Spoils it on everyone. Yeah. Do you know what's worse, though? Do you ever go to the cinema or watch a film with somebody who's seen it before and they go, oh, will you see this bit? Will, will you see, see this, this bit? Oh, yeah, no, watch this. Watch. Wait, 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 wait. This bit's great. They're finishing Fuck their dialogue sake. and you're going like, what the fuck? Like, you know, I yeah. I spent 15 quid to watch this shit and you're going to finish yeah. his lines. Like, you know, <laughs> fuck. <laughs> Um, so your runners are your smiles your um, possible hopefully not speeding tickets is your royals anything else you got any other smiles Um, smiles or royals as I was saying to you before we were recording I I was saying to Alan that uh, I've discovered we're eating biscuits the wrong way chocolate biscuits (laughs) especially you know anything with a a coating on the top you know Um, I I tried this here I was was sitting there just goes to show you have nothing to think about Mm. (laughs) and I was thinking to myself why do we eat biscuits with chocolate on top of them uh, you know, facing mm. up. They should be facing down because, you know, you're not getting Hit the... Your tongue. Yeah, exactly. It's not hitting your tongue. You're not getting the full taste. It's I mean, shoved into the roof the of your mouth. Like. Wonder, yeah, but I wonder is it the... You're looking at the tasty side. I wonder, I wonder is it the... It could be. It could be part of that, yeah. Mm. Yeah, there you go. So that's my that's my new thing. I, I have a, a packet of rice cakes that are coated with dark chocolate uh, on the top. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> And I, um, yeah. Nearly the weekend, fuck it. Yeah, I'm having two rice cakes. (laughs) Oh, Ah. Jesus. Motherfuckers. (laughs) Oh, do you know know what made me smile today, actually? Um, I asked Alexa to play Daz FX. Oh, nice. And she actually recognised it and played Daz (laughs) FX. Which song? They want effects? I'm not not even going to mention the name of the song because I'm not comfortable with the term. (laughs) Uh, Which one could that be, though? Hmm. Is there, I presume there's an N-word in it, is it? Knocking off, knocking out. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. There you like, go. Yeah, so, you know, you're not calling anyone, man. It's ah, no, I'm still, I'm still not. I'm good tune, good tune. Ah, oh, yeah. I wouldn't mind. It was, <laughs> again, you know, what a rebel. I was listening to Daz FX while emptying the dishwasher. <laughs> and, you know, the head was going. And, you know, but funny enough, I was thinking about. The head goes, I was telling you about asking, man. Listen like, you know. You, you look you look crazy actually yeah. I remember coming back from college Tourette's. one day <laughs> and uh, cousin of mine was in college at the same time and I didn't realise it but um, she said it to me before so I said oh you were behind me on the way home there I said oh was it yeah I could see the head bouncing in the car when we were stopped <laughs> at the temporary traffic lights <laughs> but uh, yeah like and I, I wouldn't mind you know Daz effects are just they're incredible they're a hip hop mm. duo um, early 90s yeah early 90s great albums yeah, but um, you know and I, I was listening to the patterns you know they're not necessarily the greatest rappers mm. but they just have this incredible delivery and pattern yeah, you know what I mean yeah, yeah. I biggity bring it I bring yeah. it a street from the cell there well yeah. you know what I mean and it's so bouncy it's so fun mm. and I was just I was thinking to myself I could hear them talk about anything you know they're just yeah. incredible you I know? think everyone knows they want effects 
boom, stickity, boom, stickity, boom, hum. I got that opa rumpa bum bum. Every, yeah. Everyone knows that. But I was watching something random there the other day. The and that, that came on. Don't stop. Oh, what it a does effects with what the real hip hop. Hip hop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ah, oh, brilliant. I, I love it. That now. Yeah. I'll give them an old listen now to me. Oh, do. Yeah. The Those first two albums, yeah. especially, are. Yeah, yeah. Second album's a great album. First oh, album. You know, yeah, that's a great album. Yeah, Hold yeah. it down. Yeah. Is that the second album? Hold it down. Is that the second album? I think uh, it is. I'm not oh, sure. No, straight up suicide. Is that the second album? I think. No, that the, no, the third. No, Dead Serious is the first one. I thought mm. Hold It Down was the second, and then Straight Up Suicide was it, or the other way around? Um, let me see. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna check this out. Hold It Down was the second one in '95. Yeah, I told you, man. Yeah, told Dead you. Serious was the first one in '92. Like what? A, yeah. Ah, oh, brilliant. And they're like, still going. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah I followed them on yeah. Facebook. I'm top fan on Facebook. Oh, no way. That's a facts page, yeah. Wow. I, like, nice I must join that, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah no diggity. Like, of course, no we, know, we, we know Can no diggity from Black mind? Street, no but, diggity. you know, they did it before. A 40 yeah. and a blunt. Um, a 40 yeah. and a blunt. Hold it down, of course, you know, yeah. and then represent with KRS-One. Oh, yeah. The yeah. teacher. Yeah, real hip hop, the remix oh, as well. Great tone, Pete yeah. Rock. Pete Rock. Oh, hey. Pete Rock. <laughs> I love Pete Rock. I don't. You're a big Pete Rock fan. No, no. way. No, I'm not a big Pete Rock fan at all. No. I, I, I had to stop following him on Instagram as well because he's a fucking clown. He was putting up some really stupid shit. Really? I, I follow yeah, him on yeah, Facebook, stuff, but it was all yeah. like kind of um, like viral videos and stuff he was posting. Yeah, that's that's the stuff he was putting up oh, and anti-vaccine right. stuff and all of this oh. kind of stuff. And like, oh, it's a pity. I really like got too big a platform. Like, to be, and it was misinfo- yeah. total misinformation stuff. Mm. I, I don't follow him. Yeah. I, um, I'm sure yeah. he's devastated. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I tweeted him before and I got a response. And that was pretty cool. I loved that. Nah, that's cool. Yeah. I, uh, he was, um, Imagine telling 14 year old Peter. Like, I know. Pete Rock will. Pete Rock. The Pete Rock from Pete Rock and CL Smooth will send you a message. You well, directly. <laughs> if, if Twitter had been around back then, he would send me a message. It would be, please stop sending me messages. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you just create another account, man. Block another account. Block another account. As Dermot Kennedy knows. You know. Exactly. <laughs> um, but he, I, I, uh, I tweeted him before the gig and uh, the Peter Rock Seal Smooth played um, Sugar Club in Dublin a few years ago. And... Uh, uh, I tweeted him and I said, if you don't do your verse from the House of Pain remix, I will do it for you. <laughs> <laughs> and he sent me back a laughing emoji and I thought, yeah, that, that was a good old that remix. Actually, for me. Yeah. Oh, I love that remix. Yeah, it's good. Actually, remix. There, there's eight bars I always do when I hear the original House of Pain. What's, what's, the, what's, the, first, what's the first bar? Listen to the sound of pounds I jump around Cause I'm no clown I get down to the funk Listen to the wig out And step to the rear dear Cause I'm here <gasps> P to the E to the T E Rockin' the uh-huh. runs in your sock And so one in your Under in your lockin' Chillin' with the house of pain Blood stains the ground I jump, I jump around. around And I, I <laughs> well always done, do it well I done. always do it at the breakdown The breakdown yeah. in, uh, Jump around And then of course Everest comes in with I'm the cream of the crop And I, I always yeah, go yeah. Everlast drop, drop that mic Yeah Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so there you go. That's that's my that's my party piece. <laughs> but uh, yeah, there nice you go. horns had the nice horns and in, in the in the remix. Yeah, that's right. With the horns on it. And what was, was cool. it? Was a vocal sample? I don't even know what the vocal was, but it was just mm. yeah. Ah, oh, brilliant! I absolutely love it. 
Mm. Um, so there you go. How do we how do we get on to Pete Rock? That's <laughs> oh, effects. You were next snap to the Tass effects. effects when yeah, you're, yeah, 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 yeah. 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 No, that's, you were doing yeah. the dishes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So <laughs> hardcore. You know what I mean? Yeah. Talking about murdering people and then looking at the dishes, going fucking thing didn't wash properly. Ah, <laughs> gonna have to do it by hand now. Jesus. Put more salt in this thing. <laughs> oh, do you know, actually, do you know what I did? I did fucking, I did do something different this week. Oh, uh, I went for physio. That, oh, that's yeah. what I did How this was week. Yeah. Oh, it's fucking sore, man. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes Mark, a good thing. Uh, yeah, yeah, Mark was poking and I was lying there and I was like, oh, fuck. Oh, I didn't even realise it was sore there, Mark. I was like, oh. Uh, so he was getting in there and he goes, he did the dry needling and stuff like that and, uh, he says, uh, he says, oh, the arse will be sore there now for a few days. I said, well, it is after the weekend, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> Just another Monday morning. <laughs> yeah, so, you, I'm back, so I'm back down again now. On, if he was on, skinny and blonde, you'd give him twice the amount. <laughs> <laughs> back down again, eight o'clock this Monday. So mm. I'm hoping. Oh, yeah. I'm hoping we can do something because oh, this stage, man. Mm. This stage, like, you know. Yeah, yeah, very frustrating. Yeah, oh, um, hugely so, hugely so. Um, I do you know what I noticed actually? For anybody who hasn't seen it, um, I know you've seen it. Uh, Tommy Tiernan show. Mm. The it does be on RT. I've for never actually seen it. Have I've you not seen it? No, no. All right, okay. I don't watch, don't watch TV. Really? Did you not? Yeah, dude. I tell you what. I, it's I, one of them things. Was like, I know I'd love it. And yeah, I keep I, meaning to watch it, but because I don't watch TV, I don't see ads for it. Nothing to remind me or. Anything like that. Get on to YouTube. That's where I've been watching it, really. I'm more oh, listening oh, yeah, to yeah, it yeah, as yeah. opposed to watching yeah. it. And Tommy Tiernan, uh, we spoke him there a couple of weeks ago, incredible Irish comedian, but mm. he turned his hand to presenting and, uh, not presenting, interviewing people, but it, mm. interviewing people without knowing who's coming out. Mm. And they're talking about anything. But I, I've, I've started to look at it completely different. It's more like a therapy session. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah the way yeah. he does it and the way, yeah. you know, he's obviously, he's openly, you know, he suffers from depression and he mm. he goes for treatment and that and uh, the way he can talk to people and just, without any effort, just mm. be able to draw them out and be able yeah, to, um, yeah, yeah. they'll be open and honest with him and, you know, it's conversational rather it, than it, kind it's, of interviewing. It's conversation but open, you know, yeah, you know St- yeah. Steve, Stephen Ray, yeah, yeah, the, 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 the actor. actor. He, he was talking yeah. to him last game. week. Yeah, yeah, Academy Award nominated. Yeah. I think, yeah. Um, but yeah, he was in loads of stuff. Um, you know, he was talking to him about uh, about his wife who did time in prison for an IRA bombing and stuff. And oh. you know, like it, there was very little about movies, very very mm, little about mm. acting or anything like that. And that's the great thing. He doesn't talk. You know, rugby player comes on. Like Brian O'Driscoll was on it. You'd enjoy mm. that actually. Yeah. And he, you know, there's very little rugby talk. But Brian O'Driscoll mm. and you know, Brian O'Driscoll got very emotional. Brian O'Driscoll's the former Ireland rugby captain and mm. an Irish sporting legend. Yeah. And you know, he rugby got very emotional. Overall. Yeah, he got very emotional about. Um, a good friend of his who committed suicide mm. you know how quickly he can turn a conversation into something like that you know I thought he was excellent absolutely mm. excellent mm. but more like a psychotherapy session yeah yeah yeah. yeah. you know uh, absolutely amazing mm. but for anybody were- yep check it out Saturday nights normally on RT1 or else some dude rips it on YouTube and puts it up so watch it there yeah now let's cross over to Pennsylvania and speak to Mike Schlossberg hey Mike Hello, thanks so much for having me today. Not at all, Mike. Thanks for joining us. You're a state representative for Pennsylvania uh, Mm -hmm. and an author from a mental health perspective. Um, We want to chat you more about that and your book later on down the line. But before we do that, 
What's your experience with mental health, Mike? So it exists on a couple of levels. I mean, first of all, I have uh, I, I get to be a politician in America, specifically the state of Pennsylvania. I serve 65,000 people in America right now, at least before COVID, one in five adults actively screen positive for some sort of depression. Now the numbers are as high as one in three. That's to say nothing of kids who've just been shellacked by some of the stuff that's gone on with mm-hmm. COVID, with the pandemic, with the closures of Zoom and the lack of social opportunities and all of that. So it's a hugely important issue and one that I think is really under discussed across the world, but certainly in America and certainly in my community. I speak to that not only because I think it's an issue that we need to talk about more, but because it's also me. I've been diagnosed as having a major depressive disorder and a generalized anxiety disorder since I was 18. I've been on medication in and out of therapy as I need it. And it's something I know how bad you can get. Mm. I always wanted to try to use my story to help other people who suffer. And that's kind of my biggest goal as a public official right now. Mm. And how do you treat your depression and anxiety, Mike? So for me, a few ways. First of all, I've been lucky. I've only felt like I needed to see my therapist a few times over the past couple of years. Definitely, definitely with COVID and some of the hits that we were taking this. uh, I don't I don't know anybody who didn't suffer during that. But, you know, I see a therapist as needed. I take medication on a daily basis. Uh, That is, as I've explained to my kids, I think the job of the medication is to keep me level enough so that the rest of the normal parts of me can have a fighting chance. (laughs) <laughs> um, I've always been, and I, th- I, I think it's pretty common for a lot of folks. I've always been that type A personality. I'm an elected mm. official, and that's an insanely hard job. But I also write on the side, and so I, I don't like free time. It free time is when you start thinking, and that's when life gets dangerous. <laughs> um, busy being busy, Mike. Uh, completely, uh, mm. and that's always how I've coped. Um, I also exercise like a feed. That is been a real blessing since I realized, hey, if I pick things up and put them down, I can feel better. <laughs> I'm going to go with this. Kind of random with that. You, well, you mentioned your kids there, Mike. Um, mm-hmm. I'm just wondering, how, how do you broach the subject of mental health with your kids? Or was it a difficult thing to do? You know, at first I thought it would be. My son is nine, my daughter's eight. Mm. So when they were younger, I was kind of like, how do I have this conversation yeah. with them? And I haven't had the conversation with them about just how bad it's been. I haven't told them yet, and I will, but I just haven't figured out. Well, it's not figured out. I, I don't think it's age appropriate yet to say to them, look, mm. there was a time in your life your dad thought about suicide. Mm. But what was start, it started almost naturally. I remember one day my son was four. He waddled into the bathroom. He goes, what are you doing, dad? He said, oh, I'm taking medicine. So what does the medicine do? I was like, oh, well, hmm, okay. I was like, well, it mm. helps me feel better. Okay. Can I watch bubble guppies now? And what I realized that in, you know, doing that in an almost casual way, it just kind of became part of my identity. Mm. So the answer of how you do it is the same way you say daddy's got arthritis or high blood pressure. You just yeah. treat it mm. as a normal it. part of you. And then as they've gotten older, we said, look, you know, this is who I am, but it's not everybody. It's a lot of people. It's something that I've always suffered from. And, you know, it, that explains why sometimes your dad gets a little bit grumpier than he should or is in a bad mood and needs to work on that. And I started it when I, they were young and I kind of took it from there. Mm. You mentioned, you know, how do you have the conversation with your child? Well, that dad, dad considered suicide. For, for you, Mike, what, what was it that brought you to that point of, of, of contemplating suicide? Easy answer for that one. Um, the mm-hmm. lowest I've ever been in my life was my freshman year of college and it was a combination of things. What I found out later and something that helped inform my legislative work is that that is a particularly dangerous period for somebody. For me, it was also when I first went on antidepressants. 
which unfortunately, statistically speaking, can be a heightened risk of suicide. Should I've known that one when I started the pills, but okay, fine, cool. Um, but it was that starting college, um, you know, being completely unmoored from my family and friends. Uh, the, the impetus at the time was break up with a girl that I was dating in relationship troubles at home. But when you're young and suffering and in pain, everything becomes magnified. And it was mm. at the point of nobody will love me. There's no hope. Maybe I should just end it. And fortunately, my ex-girlfriend at the time talked me out of it and got me back into counseling and I was okay. But that's one of those experiences that is definitely, you know, it, it, it stays with you being that close. So freshman year in college, that's that's first year in college. Freshman, yes, yes, yes. Yeah. I'm sorry. Did, did you move away? Did you move away to, to college? Yeah, I but, went. Oh, okay. um, I, I was born and raised in New Jersey, uh, which is on the eastern mm -hmm. coast of America. And then I moved to mm -hmm. Pennsylvania about 90 minutes west. Um, and that's where I still am. It's it's so funny in retrospect, because at the time I was so miserable in my college, uh, Muhlenberg College. It's a small school in Allentown, Pennsylvania. Couldn't wait to get out of there. Um, fast forward, you know, half a life or twice a lifetime later from that perspective. And now I'm here married with kids and I get to serve the, that community in the in the Pennsylvania State House of Representatives. Well, can, can you briefly explain what, what the House of Representatives is? Uh, yep. Obviously, we're in Ireland, so we, we yes, know yes, it yes. from TV, we know it from movies. But <laughs> the, from, from your perspective, what, what is it that's uh, House of Reps and what, what, what so does that mean? So, um, you guys, I'm, I'm sure your viewers are at least somewhat familiar with America. There's 50 states in the country. I'm in the mm -hmm. state of Pennsylvania, which is the sixth biggest state in America. Uh, the state House of Representatives is the state version of Congress. So everything mm. that goes on in Washington, D.C., just shrink it. Uh, mm. So I represent 65,000 people in the state of Pennsylvania. There are 203 members of the Pennsylvania House of Representatives. I'm a Democrat, same party as Joe Biden. Mm. What's that so been like? Deal with the state policy. Well, what's it been like since? Is there a political shift there? I mean, is, is there hope there now? Is there? Yeah. <laughs> it depends on who you talk to. Um, mm. Pennsylvania is one of the, the so-called swing states in America. Mm. It's the state that, you know, voted for Barack Obama when he was president and then was actually the state that put Donald Trump over the finish line. And this time around, we were the state that put Joe Biden over the finish line. Um, so we, I, you know, as a Democrat, as a member of Biden's party, I feel better. Donald Trump is terrifying and vile and everything mm. wrong with this country and a thorough mm. embarrassment not only to America but to humanity um, and I represent an area that that agrees pretty strongly with that sentiment it is I, I would call it an uglier place um, you've got an awful lot of the Republicans that's Donald Trump's party the folks that I served mm. with who didn't think my constituents democratic vote should count and it's really hard to work with somebody and find that common ground that we need to find it to advance good things in this state it's hard to work with people when they don't even think your vote should count so it's i'm in my ninth year so it's my fifth term of office i was i was reelected with biden in 2020 and it's it's the most frightened i've ever been in office because we came frighteningly close i think to losing the ability to control our own government and you know you want to talk about mental health there was an awful lot of people who were really with what, with what happened mm. in 2020, obviously, with those that, you know, terrifying riot mm. on January 6th mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. not not the most fun moment to be in American politics, but kind of makes it even more worth it as far as I'm concerned. I think we need people to scream for sanity now more than ever. Is it salvageable, Mike? I mean, is this yes. uh, has it become I, I, just I, so polarized or do you think? I have to think it's salvageable, but yeah. a lot of that depends on what happens over the past few years, because we are not. 
<clears throat> I, I think as Americans, we have a bad tendency to think that the world revolves around us or that we focus, you know, that the only mm. form of history that's ever occurred is America. I mean, Nazi Germany came back. We can, mm. we can still salvage this. I have to believe that. I have to have that degree of optimism that we can come back from where we're at right now. Mm. I mean, we've come of- back from worse in American history. Yeah, even even I even seen some polarizing comments today that I can't remember the the actress's name that got fired from the Mandalorian. Oh my God! Yeah, what's her name? Mandalorian. Yeah. Uh, what? Where is it? Gina Carano. Uh, that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Comparing that uh, experience of Republicans to uh, Nazi era Jews and stuff like this. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Um, yeah. Well, as a Jew, I don't think my you know my grandparents were in the Holocaust. I haven't met any Republicans who were in the Holocaust because they were yeah. Republicans. But if that changes, I'll let everybody everybody. Yeah. Know. yeah. yeah it's, <laughs> it's, it's shocking, you know, shocking just the comparison and yep. and then the divide over it of everyone. I've seen things trending like you know, cancel cancel Disney Plus and stuff yes. like this from people that agree with her and like it's. There's, there's no rationality behind that. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's an insane it's, statement. Yeah, like it just and it so diminishes the suffering of you know the twelve million or so people that the Nazis killed, including six million Jews. But mm. it, where we are at right now is genuinely a frightening place. But there has to be a way back. If if my country could get out of the Civil War, Nazi Germany could turn into, you know, the country of Germany that is now one of the beacons of Western Europe and of civilization, I, I think we have to. Mm. Mm. You, you mentioned your grandparents were, were in the Holocaust, Mike. Yes, they were. Yeah, we, we, we speak a lot on the show around generational trauma and mm-hmm. how those experiences get passed down from, you know, grandparents to parents to, to you know, to, to grandchildren. What, what would have been your experience of that would you have seen any of that passed down in terms of even beliefs or through my mom only it was right. my grandfather survived auschwitz for about five and a half years in another camp for a few months my grandmother was in three camps for two months and it was something that stayed with them i know they both really suffered some pretty significant trauma especially my grandmother really struggled after mm. after her release that unquestionably impacted my mom's life which mm-hmm. in turn impacted me yeah, I've honestly never really thought about that from that perspective, which in retrospect is kind of stupid because something that I deal with on a regular basis is the role of trauma, especially in terms of racism and how mm. racial attitudes have impacted so many of my constituents who are African-American or Hispanic and who live in huge chunks of poverty. Um, but I would say yes, that that is something that's impacted me because of the impact that it had on my grandmother, on my mother, mm. and then me. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, I mean, you know, people often say, oh, well, look, it wasn't you that was involved, and it wasn't you uh, who was, um, you know, involved in the Civil War or, you know, captured or whatever. But it does, it, it is you, it's in your DNA, it's been passed down from, mm-hmm. you know, grandparent to parent to you, you know, so it has to have an effect. We talk a little bit, as Alan was saying, about uh, like generational trauma and that. And, you know, in Ireland, it's the same, the famine wasn't too long ago, we'd Civil War here just over 100 years ago. You know, so it does, it, it passes down from person to person. Yep, absolutely. Mm. And it's something that I don't think we talk about enough. Now, one of the mm. nice things that I've seen in my role as a policymaker is seeing people start to acknowledge actually um, trauma in education. And there's a whole new realm of study called ACEs, um, Adverse Childhood mm. Experiences, and talking mm. about how that impacts 
a child's upbringing. And mm-hmm. in my neck of the, so I, I represent a huge part of my district is the city of Allentown, which is the third largest district in Pennsylvania, which just has all of some of the worst facets that you see in the Western world with the gap between the wealthiest and the poorest. Our schools are essentially racially segregated and, you know, it's, it's de facto segregation. But what you see if you look at adverse childhood experiences is it's things like addiction, have a parent mm-hmm. in jail, come from a broken home, uh, have poverty, have extreme poverty. And these are things that are just repeat in my legislative mm-hmm. district. Yeah. And just talking about the stigma around mental health, Mike, um, in the US, has it got any better or has, you know, is it still a sensitive subject for people? I think it has gotten better. I really do. And I say that, I mean, there is data that shows that, you know, the vast majority of people would be bothered by dating someone with depression or with mental illness. Maybe more of a challenge as you start talking about more debilitating forms of mental illness, like schizophrenia or personality disorders. Mm-hmm. But I think it's become better. And I think it's also become better, especially among younger generations. Mm, like yeah. even my generation, when I was in college 20 years ago or so, it was saying you were going to the counseling center was a little bit of a touchy area. You didn't know if you were going to hit things the wrong way with somebody. You mentioned that. Talking to younger generations, I think it's become such a such not a thing. And yeah. that's gratifying to see. Where I think the stigma is still in effect is more concrete areas like public policy in terms of uh, insurance reimbursement rates, parity between mental health and physical health, and how we cover and treat uh, physical and mental illness. The fact that Doctors who deal with physical illness and specifically certain medical specialties can get paid so much better than a psychiatrist or a psychologist. Mm-hmm. The fact that we have so many extensive conversations about heart disease and cancer, but still haven't really gotten into suicide in a lot of ways. Yeah. That is where I see the impacts of stigma on public policy. But at least on an interpersonal level, I do think things have gotten a lot better. Obviously, you know, look, we, we know what's going on in America. Things are, <laughs> the upheaval is unreal. Uh, will, do you see a change in mental health in people of, as you say, you know, with the capital stormings and the, like, has kind of shit just got real with this or? Yeah, I, I think it has gotten worse. And the, the, the capital storming in particular, I think, brought things home. Now, again, this is just my side of the aisle. Yeah, There's that's an we want awful to, yeah. lot of people who are just terrified of the direction of our government. Now, thankfully, Joe Biden is president. Things have changed. Things have return to some degree of normal. What I will say was particularly interesting, I had this conversation actually with my therapist about it after Trump was elected, was the amount of people who were literally put into therapy because they were so afraid. Mm -hmm. Uh, My therapist is a Venezuelan immigrant who's telling me, who fled Venezuela, who's sitting there saying to me, Mike, I've I've seen this story before. I've seen Mm -hmm. this film. And the amount of people who he saw were immigrants or who were members of other vulnerable populations Mm. We we spoke about it before about um, uh, the amount of people who are triggered by Donald Trump, mm. like you know, um, victims of sexual assault, where the leader of the country comes out and says, "Oh, we just grab him by the pussy." Oh my god! You I, know, I, like, I had, what does that do to your mental health? I had specific conversations with people who were like, "I I'm a rape victim, and this is the scary shit." Mm. <laughs> and I, I can't imagine that. You know, I've, I, uh, my, uh, my, the crux that I bear is mental illness, but I am a white, straight man in America, which mm. gives me a position of privilege. So mm. I can't imagine what it must be like to be a woman, to be a fall victim, to be some sort of racial minority. I mean, I'm Jewish, I'm a religious minority, but that's 
Uh, still, still kind of counts over there, Mike. You know, from, it does, it does. You, you know, with everything that's going on, like it's, mm-hmm. it's basically yeah. anything that anything that's not a wasp is kind of fair yeah. game. What I kept screaming at people during during Trump was like, guys, the reason and one of the things that made me the most proud of the twenty sixteen election was there were so many racial and religious groups who voted harder for Trump than they did for like Mitt Romney, who was a Republican nominee in twenty twelve, not Jews. More mm-hmm. Jews voted for Hillary Clinton than ever voted for Barack Obama. And I had this conversation with people. I was like, of course we did. Guys, we have seen this movie before. Mm-hmm. We've read mm-hmm. this script. We know the last scene. Like, yeah. Jews come into this with a historical perspective of, uh, guys, there's parallels <laughs> here. What the hell? Please yeah. pay attention. It, it really was shocking, that, as you said, the parallels and... Mm-hmm. You know, and, and who better to know? Go, hey, look, <laughs> we we know where this ends. You yep. know, we, we we've seen this before, and it wasn't too long ago. And you know, if if things kind of had, a, it's it's kind of terrifying to think what would have happened if he if he got reelected. Yep. Uh, we then you, especially with the way he behaved at the end of the election, you would. Yeah. I really would have feared for what would have happened. I want to talk about your book. It's a young adult science fiction dystopian novel about depression, anxiety, and the end of the world. Sounds yep. like great crack. Um, <laughs> so it really sounds like yesterday, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> it's a mental health book. My, um, well, it, it, what's even funnier about the book for me in retrospect, I wrote it in 2016, 2017, came out in 2018. I was last year at an event in early March, um, the week it all kind of fell apart. In, in society as COVID really exploded. And someone's been, what's your book about? Well, it's about trying to stop a plague. Ah, shit. Wow. <laughs> 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 but it's completely nothing to do with COVID. The, the book it, the book is about, um, it's about uh, a 20-year-old who wakes up on a spaceship with a bunch of other 12, young adults, and they don't know how they got there, and they come to the realization that they have to stop a deadly plague from, no, no COVID relation, but a deadly plague from hitting Earth. The trick that makes the book a little bit different, kind of different from your standard science fiction, is that the main character suffers from depression and anxiety-related issues. I wrote the book, you know, certainly to tell an interesting tale, but also to try to approach mental health and mental illness from a different perspective. Mm. Are, are you the main character, Mike? Or um, is he based on you? It's definitely based. I'm I'm not the main character, but there's no question it's based on me. Okay. Um, my wife kept yelling at me. I, the character keeps saying "fair enough," and that's one of the expressions I said. <laughs> yeah. not stopping, that's not a, that sounds like an Irish ex- expression. Actually. Yeah, nah, fair well, enough. Well, you know, I must have gotten it from my wife. My wife's name is Brenna O'Keefe. At least that's her maiden name. And if that's oh, not Irish, thing, if that's not Irish, <laughs> so that's about as Irish as they come. Pretty much, yeah. I, 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 total non sequitur. I will tell a very funny story when I was. When I was single and started started dating people, my mom the first question out of my Jewish mother's mouth were, "Is she Jewish?" And finally, I said, "Mom, stop asking that question." So she stopped <laughs> asking that question. The question changed to, "What's her name?" Which is the same damn question. But fine, mom, I'm dating a new girl. What's it's her coming name? in the back door at us. Yeah, oh, completely. Nice, nice Jewish mother. Mom, I'm dating a new girl. What's her name? Brenna O'Keefe. Pause, 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 pause. Uh, damn it, Bob, come on! If we, ever, if we ever get there, and we do have we have we have little Irish Jewish children and they're 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 anyway. Um, <laughs> is there a cultural uh, do you find is do you find there's a cultural difference there? Or I mean is nah, I mean how far back does she go to to Ireland? Not really, I mean, nah. My wife isn't really any religion. Yeah, um, yeah. and as I've found, Jews and Irish have quite a bit in common. Very um, similar. Especially yeah. yeah. Particularly yeah, very the, 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 Jew, so. the Jewish mom and the Irish mammy. Oh, that's oh totally, yeah. <laughs> they're very the alike. The only thing that would have been closer would have been Italian. 
Like that's even yeah, true. That yeah. close. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I don't. It, it, that that is not that has not been a challenge at all. Thankfully, that's one challenge. Mm. <laughs> Mike was was but, politics something always that was in, that was in your future? Well, what what yes. drew you to it? The ability to do good things. You can actually do a lot of good in politics for all the grief for all the an idealist, Mike. Much. Say again. You're an idealist. I, I am, and I've been <laughs> able to do some good things in this position. Um, you know, my wife is a teacher because she said that's where her talents lie, and I firmly believe that we can do good things in government. And you know, I'd like to think that I've done a couple. And that's look. The, the reason I wrote the book, the reason I got into government, was because I wanted to try to give some to do some good in this world, and that's what I hope I've been able to do. And it's all part of the same mission. I realized about five or six years ago that I had a, I had a good story to tell talking about mental health. And I know from conversations I've had with people that my conversations have helped them come to peace mm. with who they are and help them get the help they need. And that's, mm -hmm. that's where I want to be. That's, that's the politics side, Mike. That's, that's the, that's the book plug side. I see you're a gamer. Mm -hmm. Yes, I am. You're a bit of a nerd. <laughs> you, uh, there's no bit. Uh, <laughs> See, I, I stand alone on this because I talk about video games or I talk about movies that Peter has never seen. So when, when, <laughs> when, there's, when there's a gamer on, you know, I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> Something relatable. <laughs> the, the, the story I always, my kids are both named after role-playing games. No. <laughs> yeah, my son is, well, let me, tell me if you get this. My son is Oren and my daughter is Ayla. No, that's 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 Oren is my Final nerd. Fantasy. Oh um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Final Fantasy ten, and my daughter's from Chrono Trigger. Wow. What, what's your favorite game of all time, Mike? Combination of Final Fantasy ten, probably because that game actually moved me, and uh, mm. Skyrim. Oh, and Enter the Gungeon. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And what what that's was the last like game you played? Last game that I played. You know what? I was playing an old Halo game last night. Actually, I was playing Halo two. Mm. Old school. Well, you went. You went back a bit. I did. I well, it's the remaster. You know how many times mm. that game been reskinned? But it was like the Master Chief Collection. But tomorrow, um, Super Mario 3D and Bowser's Horror, or whatever the heck the new Bowser game is called, is coming out. I'm very excited to play that. Oh well, you no, you have me at Super Mario, definitely. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> that, that's what Peter. He, he kind of fell off, I think, after Super Mario and Sonic. I think, I think, yeah, I think after much. that, we lost him. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was also playing Sonic last night. There's a, uh, the game came out on Xbox. It was Sonic Mania. It was a, basically a Sonic remake. It was fantastic. And I was playing that with my daughter playing as Tails. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> wow. No, I, I, I do plan on getting a PlayStation 5 or 6 whenever the kids get old <laughs> yeah, enough. And I can, yeah. I can uh, I, I can maybe participate, but at the moment it's all just uh, playing dollies and cars and all sorts, and, and that's, that's it without for now. the kids. Yeah, without the kids, that's when they're gone to bed. <laughs> and then they come home and you have to talk taxes. Yeah, you ruined my game. <laughs> Mike, Mike, what's it what's it like with the you know being being so open about your own mental health and being you know being in the public eye, being being in politics? What, it, what's what's that it, experience it, like? To my pleasant surprise, and I didn't realize it when I started talking, um, it's been talking about my own mental health, mental illness has been the best thing I could have done for my political career. Uh, wow. It unintentionally gave me a statewide platform to talk about mental illness. I've been invited to speak at quite a few places throughout the state. Um, I've spoken at national conferences about suicide prevention. Um, I've at home, more importantly in my, in my district at home, 
I can't tell you how many people said to me, me too, or thank you for saying something or, mm. oh, my son, my brother, my, I've had so many of those mm. conversations. And I genuinely, I started talking about it just because I was pissed off. Somebody wrote a really ignorant Facebook status after Robin Williams died by suicide. And I wrote an op-ed responding and that was it. And what I didn't realize was how many people would appreciate that someone in the public eye would say, this is who I am and nothing to be ashamed of. And we got to do a better job of dealing with mental health and mental illness. When you told everybody about your struggles with mental health, Mike, did you find that more people came to you then and said, well, I struggle with this or, you know, I've got kids who struggle with this or whatever. Um, What was that like to hear them stories from other people? Uh, At first it was flattering and then it kind of got overwhelming and I had to figure out a way to say to me, like, I'm not a a psychiatrist. I'm just a doctor. Mm -hmm. So I had to try to help help people find the help that they needed if they were in some sort of crisis. And yeah, you know, I had somebody call my office the other day whose son has fallen through the cracks of the judicial system, who suffered from severe mental illness, and there's wasn't a lot I could tell her to do. I had mm-hmm. nothing, and that's that's a frustrating and a helpless feeling. So you just try to become as knowledgeable as you can to point people with the resources that they need, and you wing the rest of it. Yeah, sounds like our podcast. <laughs> but we we discovered that as well. You know, we launched a podcast. The amount of people who came to us saying, you know, we're having trouble too. People we know, people we, we didn't know, complete strangers. Even, you know, today, you know, we, we get correspondence yeah. from people yeah. um, telling us about uh, what they've been through and that. So, but it, it's great to get the conversation going, uh, you know, and you coming out and talking about your mental illness will inspire somebody else who will in turn inspire somebody else and somebody else, you know, so it's getting that conversation going and getting it out there. What do you think? Absolutely. And that's a a big part of what I say to people is, you know, if they're, if they learned anything from my experience is to tell your story because it made, Mm -hmm. I'm, it's the smartest thing I've done in my career for both political and more importantly for policy and for impact. Yeah. It's enabled me to do good. Was there any negative uh, side of, of telling? Every now and then you get like wacky Facebook comments. But that's I sort of laugh at that because, you know, mm. if, somebody, if somebody feels compelled to write something really stupid or ignorant, it says more about them than it does yeah. about me. Yeah, mm. true indeed. Yeah. And would they be people you know or would they be on the political page? Uh, or course or something? Usually it's just randos. Like just yeah, some yeah. keyboard warrior. Schmuck. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, ex- yes, exactly. And I see no sheer, no shortage of keyboard warriors. The same people who will write nasty comments in the white team and go, "Oh hi." Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's them. Um, we spoke before about you know the more you. Um, uh, you connect with your mental health on this podcast and, you know, the more you educate yourself on multiple aspects of mental health, you know, you start to see examples of it in, in pop culture, you know, in TV, in movies, in music. Have you noticed that, Mike? Yes, definitely. And that's people like, um, like Selena Gomez, who's been really upfront with her own mental illness. That makes an impact. The thing is, people will always look at celebrities and politicians to an extent as like, not like them because, you know, mm. we're a level above. The truth mm. is that that's not really true at all, but that's kind of the station that you hold in society, which is why the most important thing a celebrity can do when they talk about mental illness is encourage other people to talk about their mental illness because a normal mm. human being will feel more connected with another normal human being than with a celebrity. Yeah. Yeah, and when you say normal, I presume you're using the bunny ears as well. <laughs> yes, it yeah. very, very much. <laughs> is there is there any is there any difficulty in that then, Mike? In terms of you know 
perhaps being held to a higher standard? Um, no, because I've tried what I, how I've tried to hold my career is to just be like, look, guys, I am real. I've, I've tried to convince people and, you know, it's kind of my brand. I hope I think mm. that I'm not any different than anybody else that I, you know, and clearly I've been open with these struggles as so many people have that, you know, I, I do, um, I'm really active on social media. And if you, uh, if you find me on Facebook or on Twitter, you will see that it's all about video games. Um, <laughs> my struggles trying to get my dog in the house. My like it's. I try to normalize yeah. my life as much as possible, and you just mm. do that by being yourself. You don't have to put on. Yeah. A so now nah, keep it real, Mike. <laughs> I've tried. I have tried, and you try to say to people, "Look, I'm no different than you." That's why my job, my official job, is a representative, Mike. Where can we read your book? You can get my book on Amazon. The name of it is Redemption. Um, and you can find, if you search Mike Schloss, you can go to my author website, which is MikeSchlossbergAuthor.com. I have a blog that I talk about mental health at least once a week and try to intermix the personal and the, the policy perspective. I'm trying Brilliant. to advocate for, for more, for more mm. for people who are suffering. But Amazon and on the Kindle is the best way to do it. Mike, just uh, one other question and, you know, not, not something and, and we, you know, we can cut it out if it's not something you're comfortable with. <gasps> but, you know, obviously fa fascinating. You may be surprised to hear there's not a large Jewish community in Ireland so to actually you know to speak to someone with, with such a direct experience of the Holocaust and as you said it was something that would have affected your your own mother mm -hmm. what would the impact of that have you would you have seen in 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 your mother then that uh, that you touched upon there earlier I think it gave her a much more tenuous belief in instability I think that's the best way that I can describe it my mom was always more nervous about the state of the world. Mm. And I, it makes perfect sense, of course, seeing how what the state of the world did to her parents. And I mm. think, you know, I do wonder if inside we're playing armchair analyst here, if that didn't have some sort of impact on, on me and why I got into government to try to make things a little bit more stable, especially for mm. people who are suffering. I have no doubt that my grandparents' experience passed on through my mom and to me influenced my the reason my politics. I'm a very liberal Democrat. I believe government should help people find the means to take care of themselves. Mm. And I, I, uh, sorry, Mike. And, and again, you know, for, for, forgive the ignorance and, and, and the naivety here, but, you know, Peter spoke earlier around, you know, Trump getting elected and grabbing by the pussy and that triggering for, you know, for people that have been raped or sexually assaulted. With that, as I said, you know, as as uh, as as Jews, we we see where this leads. Would you have found people, you know, would would that have created some some tension? Not not that you speak for the entire tribe, but mm -hmm. would you have seen it, you know, with with that shift with with Trump, that maybe perhaps you know, again, maybe that older generation of oh, this 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 is looking scary. Oh, we already saw. It. Yeah, no, there were there were there were. There were a lot of older Jews. Um, no, mm. I don't know a ton of survivors at this point. Most mm, of them are mm. the people who were first generation survivors mm. who, who were going, I know what comes. Mm. And, and so, I mean, there were definitely, uh, there were, the Jewish community too is also pretty liberal to begin with. Yeah, yeah. By yeah. and large, not completely, but by and large. I mean, mm. on issues of foreign policy, you start, they, they found some alignment with Trump, but that was basically the more orthodox Jews. People, I'm not a particularly religious Jew, and of those yeah. people, I'm barely Jewish. Mm. Or not. So, but there were definitely, there was no shortage of people within the Jewish community who were going, guys, what's happening here? Mm. And it was very frightening to watch it happen. Yeah. 
Mm. It's quite scary, I'd imagine. You survived that. You moved to, as you said, you know, this idea that this idealized version of America that we had of, you know, the land of freedom, you know, yep. give me your tired yeah. little masses and all of that. And then <laughs> you get there and, yeah, and, you know, the prospect of, of, of this then mm. and the polarization Definitely. of it. There's also the fear that history repeats itself. Yeah. Yep. Mm. Well, we don't know what comes next. I mean, God help That's us the, if, the, yeah. next, if mm. the next dictator wannabe is actually smart. <laughs> well, Mike, Mike, you've got an Irishman there, so um, that's it's good to know. You know, Mike yeah, is well, a good a Mayo man. So uh, <laughs> I don't know if you guys know this, but there is a poem that Biden supposedly loves, and I saw a clip of the of a video on Irish television of Biden after he became president reciting a poem by an Irish poet named Seamus something or other. Seamus Heaney. Yeah. That's it. That's the yeah. one. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And it is the most beautiful poem that um, uh, when hope and history rhyme, that's it. Mm. And I couldn't stop listening to this clip of Biden reciting this poem afterwards. Yeah. And uh, you, what, like the vibe over here when Biden got elected was incredible. You know, it was, mm-hmm. it was like, wow. You know, America's back. You know, yeah, I, I now yeah, we have felt a, that way too. I now have a desire to travel there, you know, yeah, right. and see the place yeah. again. You know what I mean? But it does. It it hinders the the image, obviously, of the, of the Absolutely. entire country. You know what I mean? When Trump was there, you know, I had no uh, desire to no go there, question. and I've been there three times. You know, and I had no desire to go back. But I kind of do now. You know? Yeah, yeah, we're we're, we're coming back a little bit. You've done. <laughs> <laughs> let's leave it there we hope you liked what you heard if so give us a rating subscribe leave a comment or if you think someone you know would benefit from this podcast by all means share it with them stick it on your social media pages could make a big big difference in their lives we'd love to hear from you as well if there's anything you want us to cover discuss or you just got a story to tell we would absolutely love to hear from you get in touch by email hello at stmhpodcast.com find us on twitter at SCRA Talking Pod. we're on facebook and instagram as well we're hashtag st MH. Big shout out to Fiona Bryan, by the way, for the podcast music. An amazing producer, beat maker. You can catch him on Facebook at FOB Beats. You're a singer, rapper, whatever. He will look after you. He's incredible. And we're going to keep this music uh, at the top and tail of the podcast as ransom. So when he becomes, you know, one of the biggest <laughs> producers in the world, we'll sell it for a fortune. No. <laughs> And also, also the others he asked me to choose from that I didn't pick. I'm going to keep them, Fionn. And I'm going to sell them for a fortune also. I'm not as nice as you think I am. Simple as. <laughs> right, Mr. Clark, you get a break this week. Mike, what I normally do at the end of each episode is I uh, fling Alan under the bus and I get him to give us uh, a, an alternative uh, inspirational quote. So is there something that you kind of live your life by or a mantra or a saying or something that you think is, is really relevant? Oh, for me? Um, yes, that's an easy one. There, there's a quote. I used it at the end of my book. Um, as long as you breathe, you have hope. And if somebody like me who is as far down as I was can come back, I hope that people can recognize that there's always a chance for a better life, for more happiness, and for your own personal revenge. Treat Mental health. Mental health.